0: Great, can you hear that at the back, tech team? Is that registering? Yeah, good day. Great, so today we're gonna open up uh, Luke 22. So if any of you have the Bible with you, you might wanna turn to Luke 22. Uh, Just two verses we're gonna focus on today. Uh, Luke 22, verses 50 to 51. Okay, and it goes. Next slide, please. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this, and he touched his ear and healed him. Father God, I pray that as we open up your word, that you would uh, speak through Thomas and I, Lord God, that we would speak your words um, into people's hearts tonight, Lord God. And um, we pray that you would um, help us to go out change, Lord, by understanding more of you and um, knowing you better, Lord God, and inspired to live in response to you, Lord God. And anything that we say that is not of you tonight, uh, we pray that will be quickly forgotten, Lord, for your name. Amen. Amen. So, um, this short story is set towards the end of Jesus' earthly life, um, towards the end of his, um, of his work, of his life um, with his followers, his disciples, and he's just been sharing really intimately with them about um, uh, you know, what he's been doing and that he's about to be crucified. Um, in the, the other account of, of this um, little story, in John's Gospel, we can learn that the, that the servant that um, is kind of, um, has his ear cut off is Malchus, and the disciple was Simon Peter. Now, in today's talk, we're going to think about it from five different um, angles. And I've just come up with a, kind of an iron object to represent each one of them. Next slide, please. Uh, the iron toe um, from the Old Testament, um, the sword, nails, barbecue skewer, and the scythe. And they'll all make sense, hopefully, as we go through. <laughs> so firstly, the iron toe, or the iron uh, toes and legs from the Old Testament. <coughs> so I'll read it again. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this, and touched his ear and healed him. So the disciples would have have partly understood the times from some of the bits of the Old Testament that they would have heard from um, perhaps visiting the synagogue in their their upbringing, the the place where the Jews met to to, um, hear from the word. Um, And they would have heard about this great king, for example, in Psalm 2, uh, where in verses 6 to 9 we can read, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree... The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So they had seen some of Jesus' miracles, and Jesus' followers had heard some of Jesus' teaching, and even done miracles in Jesus' name. They'd have seen big crowds welcoming him into Jerusalem and perhaps would have been with some of them on the side, cheering him on um, that this um, great king was going to come in and perhaps overthrow the Roman Empire that they've been invaded in there under their rule and iron and to break the nations with the rod and iron. Further, in Daniel 2, it talks about various civilizations that will rise up. Um, and many commentators suspect that the, the iron legs and toes, hence the iron legs and toes. If you on the next slide, please? <coughs> hence the iron. Um, the iron legs and toes that are represented here, um, they're kind of thinking, oh, this Roman Empire is going to be crushed. That same Daniel 2 talks about um, a greater stone that will raise up and will crush the human civilizations and become a big mountain and fill the whole earth. So the, the disciples are getting quite excited, perhaps, at this time because Jesus has been talking about all this teaching about this kingdom. In in Daniel 2 uh, it says and in the days of those kings the gods of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people it shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and break them to an end and it shall stand forever. So perhaps Jesus disciples are thinking in the midst of this Roman kingdom this is now the time. Jesus talked a lot about a kingdom of heaven a kingdom of God perhaps now is the time he would establish this Now, the procession that came out to arrest Jesus um, technically wasn't a Roman procession. It was a lot of Jewish leaders who had had, uh, come to arrest him. But the disciples might have heard some of the stuff that Jesus said to some of the, um, the religious leaders um, very recently, which we have recorded in Matthew 23, when he said lots of um, warnings, really, against the, the religious leaders at the time. And perhaps they thought that this Jesus was about to be this great leader. He's going to overcome this, um, you know, lead up a rebellion and overcome the establishment, overcome the Romans, overcome the, the, um, you know, the religious elite. Um, well, he had but he didn't come to do it in the way that they'd been thinking. Next, on to the sword. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Further, the, the disciples' understanding of some of Jesus' teaching, that's their understanding of it rather than what he said, could have reinforced their action. You can feel again the pressure at the time. He's just shared some of the intimate description of himself, um, some of the um, the servant life that he's come to live, and that we are called to live in response and, and following his his life, and the prophecies and instructions after that. And amidst all this, the disciples thought it'd be great to have an argument about who was the best disciple. It seems like a strange thing to do, but they, um, you know, you can see that they've perhaps not quite got it sometimes. <laughs> um, a few verses before the ones we're looking at, um, in thirty six to thirty eight. To describe this kind of battle life um, that um, the kingdom of God entails, Jesus tells the people, he who does not have a sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Hence the picture of the sword. So one disciple responded saying, look, here are two swords. And Jesus responded, that's enough. Or some commentators say um, the tone in which he said this was, that is enough. As in, that is enough of this silliness. As opposed to that is enough for the purposes we need them for. So his statement of the sword was not to tell people to pick up swords for battle, but to show them um, what following Jesus was going to be like. Not one of comfort, but of times of spiritual warfare, of difficulty and suffering in order to see his kingdom come. John Piper wrote an article in response to a leader of um, Liberty University. It's a Christian college in America. Um, and, And the principal of that college had been asking people to take up arms. And for any extremists that were to come onto the campus, that they would to, uh, to, you know, to use their guns in, in response to that. And John Piper had to, to re, you know, rebuke that because he felt it was so wrong. And he, he responded with this, in my opinion, very well-written article of which a few points are just I've highlighted here. So the, he said, The Apostle Paul called Christians not to avenge ourselves, but to leave it to the wrath of God, and instead to return good for evil. And, even, and then he said that God gave the sword, or the gun, into the hand of governmental rulers to express that wrath in the pursuit of justice in this world. So Piper allowed the use of governmental, um, of governmental military, but not to take it into our own hands. The Apostle Peter teaches us that Christians will often find themselves in societies where we should expect and accept unjust mistreatment without retaliation. Jesus strikes that note that the dominant, perhaps not the only way, but the dominant way that Christians um, will will show the supreme value of our treasure in heaven is by being so freed from the love of this world and so satisfied with the hope of glory that we are able to love our enemies, not return evil for evil, even as we expect to be wronged in this world. And if you want to read more of that, um, it's on the Desiring God website, uh, released in December 2015. Um, we also had a Christian brother we knew in, in Pakistan who had been serving amongst uh, an unreached people group, and a leader from that people group who got really angry at the work, the, the believers' work that was going on, um, and had a gun and tried to shoot him, but th- our brother kind of nudged the gun slightly so that it shot the air. I don't know exactly how that particular incident carried on after then, but we spoke to them a while, while later, and they were still serving in the same community, you know, still choosing to be unarmed um, in, that, in that environment. So all these influences were going into the, on in the disciples' minds and they lead up to Malchus' um, ear being, being healed. So um, they've got this, these images of kingdom and these things they've seen Jesus do, this humble leader. And, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of passion going on and there's this real nervousness. And in some of the previous Unstoppable God um, preachers we've had, uh, people have asked questions such as, how much faith have people had for the healing? Well, in this particular story, you know, some of the stories we've had no faith. Here we seem to have even worse. We've got the disciples who want to show anger against the people that God wants to heal. So to think a bit further about this um, particular story from the perspective of the cross, I'm now going to hand over to Thomas. (laughs) Yep.
1: Sweet. (laughs) Right, okay. Okay. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Now, this in the Bible was directly after he was praying on the Mount of Olives for strength of what he was about to do. And he was praying that if he had to be crucified, he was willing to do it in God's strength. But he'd rather not do it if that were at all possible. And obviously, this leads up to him eventually being crucified. Now, I've been off to talk about nails, and I was thinking, what link does nails have to this story? Well, obviously, Jesus was nailed to the cross, and it's almost like Jesus and the cross became one. So what it feels like, God was nailed to our sin, and they became one through the nails. So when Jesus died, or God temporarily died, sin also died. But then when Jesus rises again, and he simply has the scars but no nails, it shows us that we've been freed of our sin. We're no longer linked by that sin. Because Jesus has freed us and it's just him left. And then I also thought as well, surely um, Jesus wouldn't be able to heal him and forgive him so quickly. I mean, they want to drag him off. They want to beat him. They want to mock him. They want to put him on a piece of wood and watch him die. And they're just going to throw him in a random cave. So surely he would hate them. Like I would hate them if they were going to do all that to me. I would loathe them. But he didn't just forgive them. But he forgave them instantly and healed them he healed them he didn't just like just leave it he healed them and then i was also thinking jesus is like a great leader he's a leader who came for our people so if he was like a general and he was trying to win a war how would he win the war by telling his troops to stop and healing his enemies you're not going to win a war like that but what if he did this because this battle wasn't important What if he did this because he loves all humans equally and individually? And what if he did this because he knows the true war-to-be-waged was coming soon? The true war-to-be-waged was against sin, against death, freeing us from that and allowing us to walk with God. And then, in summary, I wanted to first start with how God's love and mercy stretches to everyone. It doesn't matter if you love him, if you hate him, if you've never even heard of him before. His love and his mercy stretches to everyone on this earth. And then I also thought about the strength of his forgiveness, the depth of his forgiveness. Because if I sometimes argue with people. I argue with my sister all the time. And sometimes, you know, we have like a bit, a bit of a row. We won't talk for each other for a while. And sometimes I'm even strong stronger to forgive her over little things. So Jesus was about to get murdered in one of the most horrific, gruesome ways known to man. And he forgave them without hesitation, without stopping, and healed them. And then, so I think, and I want to summarize and end on this, that no matter how broken someone is, how, what walk of life they've led, or what they may have done, as long as they are willing to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God's arms will always be open for them. I'm done.
0: Thank you, Thomas. That was really good. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for helping us out with that. Um, so on to our fourth one then, the skewer. So um, i read it again. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. In John 21, we can read of how um, after Jesus had died, he rose from the dead and met with his disciples on the beach. He gave them many fish in their catch and cooked them breakfast. Hence the skewer. So after Jesus' death and resurrection, we too will be raised with him, with resurrection bodies. Malchus here was healed, but one day he was died. These healings that we have uh, striven for are temporary, but our resurrection bodies will be everlasting. In 1 Corinthians 15, we can read of, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Finally, on to the scythe for the harvest. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. We then think about this act of healing of Malchus in light of the harvest, bringing others in. So Acts 5 puts the use of of the supernatural nicely. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So when people see wonders, they listen more carefully as they see God's power in action. As with the disciples' failings and perhaps misplaced anger to, to Malchus, you know, God even showed mercy in our sinful decisions, mixed motives ministry and misunderstandings of God's actions. He can even work the supernatural through, through us. So as in Acts, we're called to use God's acts of compassion that they might be a greater blessing to, to God. And I preach these things to myself, that I and we can, be, um, can show these acts of Christ's love even to those that want to persecute us and hate those that, uh, that I love. So we sit here towards the end of the Unstoppable God series. And we've been shown many amazing ways that God's worked. Um, and we're now called to dis, uh, you know, make disciples of many people. Um, Jesus prayed for someone who had come to persecute him. And to show anger to him. Um, but he still loved him. And we also know that Jesus said in, in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And let's just pray that these things would be lived out in the upcoming Love Crawley event. Let's pray that God would give us the grace to love those who don't love us. Um, I mean, I've been part of several of these um, outreach type events. And when we come to do that, Satan seems to want to raise up anger from, from those around um, to come against um, you know, what God is doing. Um, God needs to give us grace to, to have his grace towards anyone that might respond in that way to Um, as we go out on the streets um, later in the month Um, and you know rather than the disciples understanding of this um, you know person who's going to come with a rod of iron and rule over the nations we thank you that God uh, thank you that God has called us to uh, you know be witnesses to the nations and to display um, his love even to those that don't love us uh, in the nations including in the the upcoming Love Crawley event. Um, so now as we just open up for prayer for this Love Crawley event, let's just pray that um, through the main three days itself and the, the more course afterwards, um, that God would multiply the miracles that he has been doing and that we would see a harvest um, as Jesus has called us to do so. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, we just thank you for your words. Um, we thank you for... Um, you you acting in just ways that you wouldn't predict, Lord, um, healing someone's ear when he's about to come and um, be part of the team to crucify you. And we just thank you that you did that in your grace and you knew of the, the battle that you needed to fight. Um, thank you that you fought that battle and that you've won the victory. And now that we, as we go out on the streets at the end of this month, we know that uh, you've won the victory and that we just want to pray that we, we be gathering people in, Lord Jesus, um, into your great harvest. And we see many people from many Tribe, nation, people, and tongue, to worship you, Lord. And um, we just want to pray you uh, fill us with your Spirit this evening to know the specific things you want us to pray into, uh, that we might be more fruitful, Lord God, um, for your glory. Amen. 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 Okay.